Bay FM 100.3 live and local across the Bayside. And welcome to the very, very first Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. You're here with me, Tony Tranter. And I'm Jasper Manfield. And on this program, we are going through a journey of discovery through the LGBTQIA plus rainbow and beyond. And we would like to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands we are broadcasting on, expending our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, past, present and emerging. We recognise the continual connection to country, waterways and community. Our focus with Rainbow Conversations is to talk to some wonderful people and find out some information about the different aspects of queer life and challenges we face. But in no way is this program exclusive to people within the LGBTI community. Rainbow Conversations is for everyone who just want to understand people and situations more. Because if you bring the understanding of a person or situation, you can support the person in that situation. And if the world needs anything right now, perhaps it's a little more support and understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's coming up on tonight's show, Jasper? Coming up on tonight's program, we are talking with Sam and Bridget from Brook Red, who run Belong, a peer support program right here in the Redlands. We will discuss the support available in the Bayside and all throughout Southeast Queensland. Awesome. Then we're going to do a crash course in LGBTIQ+, what that initialism means, and explain all the different letters. Later on, we're going to talk to Senior Constable Ben Binyas from the Queensland Police, who is the Regional Coordinator for the LGBTI Liaison Officers. But first, we're going to go on a walk through the history of the gay liberation movement and the events that led to the social change in the late 60s overseas and right here in Australia. How much do you know about the Stonewall Uprising? We're going to deep dive into the ignition of the gay rights movement. And don't forget, you can join in on the conversation by texting a question or comment to 046 886 1003. I'll give that number again. That's 046 886 1003. We can take those texts and have a chat to you. Wonderful. So... If you've heard the promo for Searchlight Rainbow Conversations, we ask the question, are you a friend of Dorothy's? Now, if you don't know, this was a secret code used by gay people to identify other like-minded people back in the day. The origin of this is debated, but most people believe it's a connection to Dorothy from the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz, where a young girl meets a bunch of colourful misfits and accepts them without question. The character of the Cowardly Lion in this film has long been seen as a gay character as he describes himself as a sissy in the film. It was a revolutionary movie. When it was first screened, people ran out of the theatres screaming when it went from black and white to colour. And this was the 1940s and being a queer person meant you had few options in life. Be closeted face incarceration, whether it be prison or a mental institute. Uh, Lobotomies were a common occurrence, as well as gay bashings, lynchings. They were all happening on very often occurrence. And this is how Judy Garland became an iconic metaphor for living in a black and white world and escaping that world and going on grand adventures in full technicolor. 
moving into colourful cities where the underground gay scene actually existed. Judy Garland never shied away from her own faults, whether it was addictions to drugs, alcohol, her struggles with money, or never being paid her worth during all of those memorable performances. When asked by several journalists over the years about her homosexual audiences during her shows, almost as if to downplay her own talent and fame, she would always answer, I couldn't care less. I sing to people. And also reminding them that her fans were teenagers, children, and people from all walks of life. And if that wasn't enough, Judy Garland had a gay father, a gay manager, married a gay man, and then her own daughter also married a gay man. And these are only some of the facts that truly makes Judy Garland an irreplaceable gay icon. So it's very fitting that for the very first song on Searchlight Rainbow Conversations is the very last time Judy Garland ever performed Somewhere Over the Rainbow with an introduction from the world's most famous drag queen. Take it away, RuPaul. Judy was a sensitive soul whose magnificent voice in classic films move us till this day. Now, it's been 50 years since Judy passed away, and on the night of her funeral, in June 1969, the Stonewall Riots occurred. Fed up with police harassment, the patrons of the Stonewall used their grief over Judy's death to rise up and fight back, and the gay liberation movement was born. And this is to you, because I'm dedicated to you. Thank you for coming. And that was the amazing Julie Garland singing the iconic song Over the Rainbow from the movie The Wizard of Oz. Now, the song was actually originally going to be scrapped from the film because the producers thought it was too heavy for the character of Dorothy, who was supposed to be only 12 years old. But Garland's manager convinced them to keep it in the film. Luckily, because it became one of the most well-known of the film and is credited to the inspiration behind the creation of the rainbow pride flag. Really? Wow. And that recording was from her last ever performance in March of 1969 in Copenhagen, Denmark. That was only 12 weeks before she passed away. The star died in England on the 22nd of June 1969, aged 47. Her body was flown to New York, where around 20,000 grief-stricken fans lined up for hours for a glass-covered casket viewing, with her most popular songs being played on repeat in the streets. The public outpouring of emotion was massive and was particularly felt by the queer people with Garland being an icon she was and an open advocate for gay, her gay fans and gay rights in general. The funeral was on Friday the 27th of June and it was in the early hours of the next morning at a nearby gay bar, the Stonewall Inn, that the historic Stonewall riots and civil upheaval occurred. This was a shot heard across the world for the gay liberation movement. It marked the moment the fight for acceptance and equality really took flight.
but it was not the first time that the gay people had pushed back against oppression and persecution. In fact, the fight has been going on for hundreds of years before that. The first documented planned gay rights protest was in Florence in 1512 by a group of young aristocrats. Homophobic and transphobic laws were keeping the queer community oppressed all over the world. Here in colonial Australia, we had the English law, the Buggery Act of 1533, enforce the death penalty for men found committing homosexual acts. After federation, states and territories gradually downgraded the punishment to life in prison. Oh. With Victoria being the last state to do this in 1949. That's really not that long ago. It's not. It's not. My grandfather would have been 19. Like, small world. But let's get back to Stonewall and how they got to that moment that, as you said, was a shot heard around the world. So in the United States, from the late 50s, there had been several small riots, like the Cooper's Donut Cafe in Los Angeles, Compton's Cafeteria in San Francisco, and even a White House protest in, 50, in 1965. 19, yeah. Feeling old, young there. With gay and trans people resisting police persecution, but none of these gained any media attention. Not surprisingly. So the Stonewall Inn was a mafia-owned establishment. It was a non-licensed bar that was kept open by bribes to the New York City Police Department. But it was the destination for gay and trans people to socialise and its biggest drawcards was its dance floors. Now, raids in the New York City gay bars were very commonplace, happening monthly as a kind of formality, usually earlier in the evening, with alcohol being confiscated and arrests made to anyone wearing clothing not matching the gender on their identification under a very transphobic masquerade law. Bar management were normally tipped off about these raids. The police had been increasing their crackdown on bars serving gay patrons and had closed several bars in the week leading up to the Stonewall riots, including the Checkerboard, the Telstar and other bars in the Greenwich Village area. This was adding tension to the already inflamed situation. The events of the Stonewall are not fully agreed upon by historians, but here are some of the facts we know about the night. In the early hours of the morning of June 28, 1969, around 1.20am, police entered the premises and started a raid as they usually did. Now, this was an unusual raid because the, the bar management had not been tipped off by the police. So the police got the patrons to line up, show identification, and this included taking anyone dressed as a woman in, in women's clothing into the toilets to physically check if they were female. And that was sadly commonplace. It was uh, the law, unfortunately, um, in, in America at the time. Mm. But people started resisting and refusing to be violated in this way. And the tension was present in the air. Patrons not getting arrested didn't leave as they normally did during a raid. They started to crowd out in the streets, cheering on as more people were released from the police. The police were getting arrested people to line up outside and get put into the police wagons. One self-described butch lesbian, Stormy Delavari, was putting up a fight with the officers trying to get her into the vehicle, continually evading the officers and trying to return to the bar. She was getting beaten with a nightstick, but she was eventually overpowered. While she's getting dragged into the back of the police wagon, with the crowd looking on, she screamed out, why don't you guys do something? 
And that's when it all went berserk. The crowd became explosive and the riot began. People were throwing anything they could at the police, from coins, stones, bottles, bricks, the first volley of projectiles coming from the trans women. Outnumbered, the police tried to hold up inside the stone wall with a rubbish tin set fire to and thrown through the window. By 3am, the tactical patrol force had arrived for reinforcements, a unit that was normally deployed for race riots and anti-war rallies. It was a serious thing. Now, these are guys in helmets, batons, full riot gear. And they were met with a blockade of a rocket-style chorus line of queens, basically doing a burlesque dance led by the trans women of colour. They linked arms, they kicked high, doing basically the can-can, singing a chant along to the tune of Ta-ra-ra-boom-dee-a, singing, We are the Stonewall Girls, we wear our hair in curls, we don't wear underwear, we show our pubic hair, we pick up lots of tricks, that's how we get our kicks, we wear our dungarees around our gnarly knees. So can we just take that in for a moment? In the face of armoured riot police. After they've been raided... Some of them have been sexually assaulted because that was the law then and they had to check that they were females. And they are joining arms, dancing and singing. To the tune, to this song. This is how uplifting that they... And so when they say the word fierce, this is what... I'm sure this is what they were talking about. This is what they were chanting to as they were being raided by all of these police with... This. Like singing along. We are the Stonewall girls. We are hair in curls. Kicking. And they actually stopped for quite a while this patrol force that had, um, you know, experience in in crowd control. So that's, that moment was a real turning point this, this evening. So the crowd eventually got dispersed. But the next night they came back to the burnt out bar where the management didn't charge the usual $3 entry fee and they were putting on free sodas for people because they couldn't do alcohol because the police were were present outside. People had protest signs. They were openly kissing in public in front of the police with the attitude of not wanting to go back into hiding. And this was huge. This just was not happening up until this point. And this continued on for several days with growing numbers and growing attention from the entire community. This made news, eventually internationally, and it sparked the formation of gay and lesbian groups all around the world. Rightly so. The following year, the first Pride Parade rallies were held on the 28th to honour what had happened the year before. In New York, down Christopher Street, outside the Stonewall Inn, and simultaneously in Los Angeles and Chicago. Australia's first gay rights organisations formed around this same time. In Canberra, the Homosexual Law Reform Society, a humanist organisation, was formed in mid-1969, and the Australian arm of the Daughters of Billist was formed in Melbourne in 1970, in January. Then in 1970, in June, CAMP formed in Sydney, which stands for the Campaign Against Moral Persecution, And that really solidified the gay rights movement here in Australia. 
Within a year, camp had groups formed in every capital city and, and in some universities, creating an informal gay rights network around the country. Their first demonstration took place in October 1971 outside the Liberal Party headquarters in Sydney. Now, these groups made waves. They helped get the discrimination, discriminatory laws talked about and eventually changed. In 1973, the Australian Medical Association removed homosexuality from a list of illnesses, which up until then, it was really uh, an, an issue for... That's, that's, I know it's real, but it's still sad to me that it was classified as an illness. It's surreal when you think about the world we live in right now. It is. So in South Australia, they were the first uh, state to decriminalise homosexuality in 1975. Good on you, South Australia. And in Queensland, um, we did that in 1991, which uh, I was a kid back then. I remember it happening. The last state in Tasmania, the last state, sorry, was Tasmania, which was 1997. And they had to actually be forced by the federal government. So that's quite an empowering... uh, statement that the government was actually going, no, no, this this will not go on anymore. Luckily, attitudes have changed and grown. We currently have approximately 2.7 million Australians identifying with diverse sexualities alone. And we have gay characters on TV, gay gay TV shows, and in pop culture, you see even trans characters on Australian TV shows. So there's a lot more visibility and acceptance. Now, the Queensland Police even have a dedicated bunch of openly LGBTI officers, and we're really lucky we get to chat one of them shortly just to show how much... Uh, Times things, have changed. Things have changed and things are accepting. And yes. I think it's really important that we talk about it because we need to remember the struggle of previous generations have fought for so that we can have these rights today so we don't forget about them, we don't become complacent, and we can keep advocating for the marginalised parts of the community. Because things aren't peachy perfect for everyone. And when we go through the LGBTIQIA plus later... With Sam and Bridget. With Sam and Bridget. We're going to find out about some of the parts of that initialism that aren't fully accepted. Mm. Um, And it's it's really not great for everyone still, but progress is being made. And that's why it's so good to have these conversations. It's so good to be somewhere like here where we can talk about it. Um, so obviously Australia's big success story for the LGBTI rights was on the 24th of June 1978 when about 500 people marched down George Street in Sydney to rally as part of an international homosexual solidarity day in demonstration against repression in Australia and other countries. Now the police arrested 53 of these protesters who were being a bit riled And that event occurred annually, and you might have heard of it now. It's called the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, which has just celebrated its 40th anniversary in 2018. Even the police march in the parade now, so things have just done a full 360 on on that. And now the parade is one of the most famous LGBTI events in the world. It draws international queer icons and allies and artists. We've had people like Boy George, the village people... Joan Rivers, Cindy Lauper, George Michael, Adam Lambert, RuPaul, and even Sher. But some of our homegrown artists, like Kylie Minogue, who have performed at Mardi Gras countless times because she believes in the queer community. And here's a song that Kylie recorded at Abbey Road. This is I 
Believe in You on Searchlight, the Rambo Conversations on Bay FM 100.3. You're on Bay FM 100.3, the heart and soul of the Bay. That was Kylie Minogue with I Believe in You, a song co-written by Jack Shears from the Sister Sisters. This is Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. Now, it's a very exciting moment because we have our very first guest on the program to help us understand what all the initials of the LGBTI plus actually mean so we can all just have the same sort of base knowledge to go from. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but they are from Brook Red Capalabar. Hi, my name is Bridget. My pronouns are she, her, and um, yeah, happy to be here. Very excited. Hey, uh, my name's Sam. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm a senior peer worker at Brook Red Capalabar, Brook Red Bayside. Um, and yeah, just really happy to be here having this conversation with you guys. We are thrilled to have you both here. Thank you so much for coming. Before we jump into the LGBTI+, tell us about pronouns. Sure. So pronouns are a way to refer to a person other than their name and often is associated with their genders. So mine, for example, is she, her. Um, another really common, common ones are he, him and they, them. Uh, but there's lots of other ones as well. Um, yeah, I think Sam and I talk a lot about how pronouns are so important because uh, they can affirm people's genders. Mm. And uh, that's really a way to support trans people yeah. is to make sure you do that. Mm. Fascinating. Thank you for that. Okay, so let's run through all these initials that we've heard so much about through all the years, LGBTI+. Cool. Um, look, I think before we get into that conversation, it's a really important point for us to sort of highlight that Bridget and I, are ident- we represent part of the community, but we certainly don't resent- represent all folk in, you know, the queer community, the rainbow community, however you choose to describe it. Um, but yeah, we're more than happy to, you know, provide some of the knowledge that we have around what these, what these letters mean. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And I think that's so important. Um, to make sure that, you know, we're not speaking on behalf of people, but trying to um, provide and highlight information that we do have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if uh, you're listening and you feel like we're not saying the right thing or missing something super important, um, you know, get into contact with us and let us know and we're happy to learn from everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then also when we're looking at LGBTI, um, something that is really important, or like the, the you know, the letters, the acronym, um, something really important to establish is like the difference between sex, gender and sexualities, because essentially what we're looking at here is um, trying to identify and acknowledge the diverse, sexual, diverse sexualities, bodies and genders. Um, and so breaking it up that way can be helpful. So... Uh, just to quickly say, a sexuality is, a, in a, really briefly, is like what your attractions are. Um, your, obviously, diverse bodies is, a, is what it says, the diversity in um, the phys- our physical bodies. And gender is a social construct. Mm-hmm. So that is something that the 
we have assigned sort of certain characteristics or certain roles, clothes, you know, lots of different things uh, to be a sort of uh, associated with specific genders. And then your sex is physiological characteristics um, of your uh, genitals and other parts of your bodies. Um, so I guess sexualities would be the LGB. Mm. And I mean, I guess let's start at the beginning. And G is an easy one for me as somebody who identifies as a gay male. Um, gay simply refers to, and it's used amongst like some lesbians refer to themselves as gay people. Some ma- gay men refer to themselves as gay people. But it for me is a man who, ident- who identifies as a man and is attracted to other men who identify as men. Yeah, absolutely. And in the acronym, acronym, that is what it's referring to. But like you said, it has come to have a more colloquial understanding um, that we, you know, can acknowledge as well. Mm. Um, I don't think from what we've discussed previously, there are any lesbians in the room. But uh, I, <laughs> uh, as someone who knows and loves lesbians, um, I'll say uh, a lesbian is someone who is a woman who is attracted to other women. Yeah. Um, and then uh, bi as the uh, the token bi, I think, in the room. <laughs> uh, feel free to correct me. Um, uh, bisexuality is an attraction to, is someone who is uh, attracted to multiple, more than one gender. Um, so bisexuality, I would really like to say, I'm a big, uh, big, uh, try to advocate for the bisexuals who can be really invisible uh, when it terms, in terms of sexuality. And um, yeah, it's, important that we acknowledge uh, and affirm people when they say they're bi and uh, things like saying it's a phase or not real is really unhelpful and actually harmful to Mm. the community or just assuming that someone hasn't decided yet yeah that 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 does drive me a little mad sometimes when um when I hear people say that. Yeah. I'm always (laughs) quick to jump in and correct yeah absolutely and I think um you know, uh, the pressure to pick a side is uh, incredibly difficult sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I have picked a side and the side is by, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to doing a, um, basically a bisexual and pansexual awareness episode at some point next year, just so we can work out, uh, talk about the differences between the two, what they are, mm-hmm. um, and I think you'd be a perfect guest for that episode. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll definitely keep your number on that one. Yeah, sure. Look, I can, uh, I can talk about bipan stuff forever, but I think we maybe for the purposes of time today, I'll, <laughs> I'll just try to uh, keep a lid on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, the next thing, of course, we would want to talk about in those acronyms is uh, diverse genders. Yeah, which is yeah. So the T, the T, the T. Yes. So you know. Uh, Typically, trans refers to somebody who doesn't identify with the sex characteristics that they were assigned at birth and the gender that they were assigned at birth um, and has decided to uh, transition towards an identity that is more affirming of who they are on the inside. Um, And, you know, gender really is a spectrum. Some people are, you know, fall very typically towards the masculine end and the feminine end, but it's a spectrum and people go, you know, 
anywhere on that spectrum. Um, but yeah, a trans typically a trans person is somebody who has transitioned and is working towards, you know, a gender that more closely fits who they feel they are on the inside, whatever that means for them. Um, I think we have a lot of expectations upon trans people as to what that looks like. Mm. And it looks very different for many, many people. Um, you know, it may or may not involve surgery. It, you know, may or may not involve things like hormones. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, sometimes in queer spaces as well as in external places, uh, externals from the queer community, trans people are, uh, face a lot of policing of having to be trans enough mm. um, and trying to prove their transness, particularly through, uh, well, you know, the forcible ideas that, you know, you have to physically change your body to be trans. Mm. But you know, your gender and your gender expression are two separate things. And I think I know lots of people who, you know, are cis, meaning um, assigned a gender at birth that then happens to fit them later in life. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, people that are friends of mine who may dress very masculine presenting, but are cis people and are women. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that we know lots of people whose gender expression doesn't fit exactly what societal expectations are. And I think we have to extend that, um, you know, openness to trans people mm. and say, like, your expression of your gender is one thing and your gender is something else. And mm. I will affirm your gender when you tell me. Mm. And so much of this is informed by the media and what we've seen in TV shows as to what we expect from trans people. But, you know, on the ground in the real world, what I can say is that, you know, trans people come in all different shapes, sizes and colours, as do we all. And what you may perceive as being transgender uh, may actually look very different in the real world. It's really just about listening to that person and, and how they wish to be what their pronouns are, how they wish to express themselves, and, you know, just having some human respect for that process for them. Mm, absolutely. And um, I think something else that's really important is, you know, talking about the mental health outcomes that the trans community has and uh, how atrocious it is that this community is um, facing so much discrimination and uh, so many challenges to them living in an affirmed way. And um, I'd like to say mental health issues is not inherent to being trans. The mental health issues come from how we treat trans people, how we do not support them, how we force support on them, expectations. So it's the mental health outcomes aren't because you're trans, it's the world around these trans people that are not supporting them to live their life and mm -hmm. those challenges cause you know, significant mental health issues. Um, and I just you know, want to establish that because I think that's really important. Mm. Well, I have seen the other initialism, the TGDBN, the um, Trans Gender Diversity and Non-Binary, mm. and I've seen that that uh, section of the community does have higher rates of depression, anxiety, self-harm, mm. and mm. they seem to be a very vulnerable people that really do need mm. more understanding and more compassion. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's something I'd really love to talk about in future episodes because that, that is a huge um, conversation to be had. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. And while we're talking about more understanding, intersex people, mm. which is the I 
Yes, yeah, mm. the eye, which I think we you know we can look at as like diverse bodies, right? Um, so I guess intersex in general terms, uh, from my understanding, um, the s- diverse sex characteristics that do not fit into um, binary ideas that are medicalized ideas that have been placed on human bodies. Um, the there's huge there's a huge issue with that. There's lots of things that are forced onto intersex people to try to force them into these binary as ideas of sex when really, um, you know, diverse sex characteristics are a naturally occurring phenomenon and it's not meaning that something is wrong or gone wrong with a person. Um, It is the natural way that they were born and um, they deserve to have full autonomy over their body and how they express themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not something that even currently uh, is available a Mm -hmm. lot of the time to intersex people. And for any of the listeners that have never heard the word intersex before, previously it was incorrectly defined as hermaphrodites, Mm -hmm. which is not correct at all, um, scientifically. Mm. And I'm glad that we've moved away from that. It really does come down to that, that social construct of gender, that there's two things, there's male and there's female, and you must be one or the other. And people who are born, you know, with diverse bodies and lack of acceptance around that by the medical industry and by society trying to force people into these neat little boxes when Mm -hmm. as Bridget just mentioned this is a natural variation there are many of us and you know could be us in this room who you know have yet to you know become aware of the fact that we fit into that intersex um, you know sort of category Um, and when I was doing some research I realized I didn't know that 1.7% of the world's population yeah. is born intersex. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, yet it's a, it's a new... I, I felt like it was a new term that I was hearing and I thought, well, why, why on earth isn't this mm. m- more of a conversation? A lot of that harm does come from trying to force people into these mm. socially constructed ideas of gender when, yeah. you know... Mm. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And I think that really speaks to how closely um, we tie sexuality to uh, and gender and sex characteristics together as if, you know, the uh, natural way to be born is to be a cis straight uh, person that fits into these distinct binary ideas of um Uh, sex characteristics when really all of us are so not (laughs) most people in the world do not fit in these binary ideas Um, and so it's really time that we can try to you know deconstruct some of this stuff and really think about whether it's helpful or relevant for us Mm. and I can understand how this can be an issue that is you know very confusing and overwhelming for people particularly people who you know haven't had a lot of exposure to the queer or rainbow community but I guess it's just really about being open to conversations with others and being open Mm. to taking it on yourself to look into stuff Mm. and figure stuff out yourself um it it isn't always up to you know the people of the community to play the role of educator all the time Mm. um if you want to know something find it out and Mm. and simply make yourself you know open and 
available to have conversations with others about how they wish to. And they may, you know, a good way to give that invitation is simply by stating your own pronouns at the start of a conversation. You know, when you meet someone, you know, hi, my name's Sam, my pronouns are he, him. Um, Something as simple as that Mm. can let someone know, you know, you're a safe person and those conversations can then start to happen. Yeah, absolutely. If if you want to support the community and you are an ally, um, it's important to always be an ally. Uh, yeah, I would I would really encourage you. Number one, to get on the internet. Don't ask your queer friends a million questions about mm. queer if queerness. If you can Google it and find advocates and people like ourselves that are volunteering the information, um, and also just make space for that. Um, don't mm. let homophobic, transphobic statements comments jokes slide because you don't know who else is listening to that joke and if you laugh Mm. um then you're not safe and and uh you know that's a really horrible experience for people Mm. uh the last thing we need as queer people is people who yes uh you know accept and love us to our face but behind our back are actually you know participating or being um uh, or just condoning by silence, uh, homophobic, transphobic, biphobic, uh, any kind of disc- intersex phobic, uh, any kind of discriminatory or jokes, things like that against our community. Uh, if you're going to be an ally, uh, be an ally all the time. Mm. I think that's that sums it up perfectly, mm-hmm. really. Well, we are going to um, have you back on later on in the program. Cool. So we can really find out more about Belong and Brook Red. Let's take a short break. This is Rainbow Conversations, Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Hi, this is Sam from Brook Red Bayside, and you're listening to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. And now we have another wonderful guest, police LGBTI liaison officer, senior constable Ben Bjarnason. Are you there, Ben? I am. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, we're just honoured to have you on the show this evening. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, uh, in the last segment, we did go through the initialisms LGBTI and what they mean. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, look, a lot of organisations these days are including other letters as well. Uh, It can be things like Q for queer or questioning, uh, A for asexual or allies, um, P for pansexual, and some organisations just to sort of be inclusive of all of the different identities um, might include just a plus sign at the end of the LGBTI, or LGBT plus, and that sort of is a all-inclusive symbol for the other uh, identities that people might have. Fantastic. I have seen a few variations of that, so thanks for clearing that up. Um, so what is the role of an LGBTI liaison officer? And I'll be correct in believing it's um, a volunteer role on top of your normal police duties. Uh, yeah, so it is volunteer um, on top of our normal duties. So I'm a general duties officer normally, and uh, but officers can be 
from any particular section. They might be in forensics, they might be in the mounted unit, they might be in public order response team, they can literally be any offices um, in any sort of location. Um, and I guess the main role of liaison officers is to just be that contact point for uh, LGBTI people who might be hesitant in contacting police otherwise. Because obviously, going back to the 70s, 80s, um, early 90s, uh, LGBTI communities didn't have that much of a positive history going back with police uh, in, into those years, purely a lot of the time due to the fact that the laws of the day um, were ones that uh, made homosexual acts illegal. Um, so obviously going forward now, uh, we've got LGBTI liaison officers so that people can contact us and know that they're going to be treated um, appropriately and equally and um, know that there's going to be someone on the other end of the phone or in the station when they talk to us that uh, sort of understands their situation and their sexuality and that they're not uh, they're going to be judged for who they are. Right, really bridge um, the gap between the, the public and the police. Yeah, look, and we go to all the different events as well, things like um, Brisbane Pride Festival. We go and speak to community groups um, and sort of youth groups and things like that and talk about what our role is and just sort of be the face of the police service, I guess, and show that, you know, we are here and um, we are um, available for anyone if they do want to report a crime that um, the Queensland Police does care and they are, they are there for everyone, no matter what their sexuality or gender identity is. How busy does that make you if you do all of that on top of your normal duties? <laughs> uh, yeah, it can be a little bit busy. Um, it all depends. Look, sometimes um, you might go for a month without getting a call and then others you might get three in a day. So it's really, uh, really hard to pick. But um, it's a since it is a volunteer role, everyone that's doing it is, you know, keen to be doing it and to assist. So it's really one of those ones where we all understand how important the role is and that's why we're also willing to um, do it as a volunteer. Fantastic. So are all of the LGBTI liaison officers part of the LGBTI community or some of them just allies who are wanting to make a difference in a positive way? Uh, yeah, so probably, obviously we haven't collected that sort of data, but I, I, at a guess, I would say probably half and half. Okay, fantastic. Maybe, That's really interesting. Yeah. So some are allies and, um, yeah, some are part of the community. So um, it's really a diverse mix. And, like, I mean, some of the officers that I work with have got um, kids who identify as LGBTI and they've sort of taken on the role to make a difference in whatever way they can for any uh, other people that need assistance. Right, be a positive role model. That, that must be really empowering for kids to see you guys being so public about um, being open and, and being uh, aware of that. Uh, so how do you get into the role of the LGBTI liaison officer? Obviously it's not when you start being a police officer, it's come across later? Uh, look, so all, all recruits when they're at the academy do a uh, awareness package that takes a couple of hours and it's really a sort of crash course on... Um, the LGBTI community and the different sort of um, challenges that those communities might face and the specific uh, support services that are available. Uh, so all recruits go through through that. But then uh, with liaison officers specifically, it's a uh, two-day course and uh, participants sort of hear from 
organisations like PFLAG, which is Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, um, Open Doors Youth Service, who's one of our local uh, service providers for youth and young people, and Anti-Discrimination Commission, uh, Transgender Association of Queensland, to name a few. So we basically hear from all of those different service providers about you know, what issues affect their communities, um, how they can be supported and what police can do in their roles and what liaison officers can do in their roles to support those communities and get them in touch with the people that they need in times of uh, crisis, I guess. Because I know, you know, we've just had the elections and I thought, do all the police officers have to go into a booth like once a year and then vote for the person that they want to be their liaison officer for the LGBTI communities? I just, I sort of, I did, I couldn't picture it how you actually got into the role. So, yeah, that's um, so it's it's a, it literally just a course. Yeah, look, we've got lots of different courses um, in policing. You know, some people choose to. Uh, you know, learn how to use a breath analysis instrument, for example, or mm-hmm. a breath test. Um, and others choose to go and do the LGBTI liaison officers course. So it's really um, what takes people's interest. And if they're keen to get involved with the LGBTI community, then that's something that they can do and to give back to the community, I guess, in that sense. That is fascinating and and how can people get in um how can people get more information about their local lgbti liaison officer uh so in brisbane people are lucky enough that we've actually always got a lgbti liaison officer who's on call over the phone um they can get in contact with them by calling police link on one three one triple four and just asking to get transferred through to the on-call lgbti liaison officer in brisbane and then that gets transferred through uh, to the officer then. That's just really a um, measure we've got in place. So if someone does call um, Police Link and it's an emergency, then they can get transferred through to the Triple uh, O call centre. So it's sort of that, uh, just to make sure when people do ring, that it's like obviously liaison officers aren't there for an emergency response when they're mm-hmm. on call. It's more for sort of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do always say if people need... Uh, emergency help to call triple zero, but if it's not an emergency, then they can just call Police Link and ask the liaison officer. But otherwise, there's also an email address they can email, which is uh, lgbti.brisbane at police.qld.gov.au, um, and that gets one of us. And otherwise, they can look up their local station um, on the Queensland Police website. There's a LGBTI communities page, and on that page is a list of every liaison officer in Queensland, so they can get onto that list and look at who their local one is at the station nearby. Wonderful. So, Ben, I hear you have started an LGBTI domestic violence awareness day this year, Um, and we'd love to have you talk about that another time. Next year we are hopefully doing a episode on domestic violence in the LGBTI communities, but can you tell us quickly about how that came about and what um, what that involved for you? So in May every year, we've got the National Domestic Violence Prevention Month, and I noticed that there was not anything acknowledging domestic violence that occurs in LGBTI communities. There was things for all of the different... Uh, groups and minority groups and that sort of thing, but nothing for LGBTI. So I, uh, yeah, basically arranged this day really just to acknowledge um, and raise awareness that 
domestic violence doesn't discriminate. It can happen to absolutely anyone. It doesn't matter what uh, what sort of relationship is, what your gender is. Um, it's here and it affects everyone. So the day uh, received support from the Prime Minister of Australia, uh, former Governor-General Dame Quentin Bryce, uh, got behind it, the Premier uh, of Queensland, Lord Mayor of Brisbane. Wow. We got some really fantastic support. And, um, yeah, it just it's getting bigger and better for next year's event. We have uh, got a new committee together and uh, hopefully next year it will be, uh, be able to raise even more awareness. So it's basically just sort of saying to people, hey, this does happen in our communities and... Once people have got that awareness that it can affect anyone, they can start recognising it in their own relationships earlier or their friends, family members, work colleagues. And if they're recognising it earlier, then that gives uh, themselves or their friends or colleagues a better chance of um, sort of having some sort of intervention to help that person or get help in those sort of abusive relationships. And it is really a human problem. You know, like domestic violence is such a broad spectrum of an issue um, that, you know, we're oh, as, as we're planning on doing an episode next year in May about the domestic violence in the LGBTI communities uh, leading up to that day. So uh, if we can, I'd love to pencil you in for another interview in May next year because please include Bay FM in that support network of that day. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to. Wonderful. And if people want to find out more information on that, the website is lgbtidvawarenessday.com. I'll do that again because that is a, a lot of uh, letters to throw at you. lgbtidvawarenessday.com. And that's uh, penciled in for 28th of May next year and i think it's great that we're getting the conversation rolling and talking about these things is the best way to move forward so ben um one of the questions we're sort of ending our interviews on today is looking forward to the optimistic future we've sort of we've been going on about the um the the past and what we've sort of fought through and struggled through to get to where we are now but what challenges do you believe need addressing in the ex for the future of accepting the LGBTI communities? I think, uh, I guess, along with a lot of other things, education is the key um, to acceptance, um, whether it be domestic violence or what services um, are needed. Um, once people understand, I guess, when you look at LGBTI communities, unfortunately, we are well overrepresented uh, represented in things like homelessness, mental health, um, suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence. Um, but without having those sort of conversations and education about why that is the case, um, I don't think that's going to improve. So I think once sort of services uh, and police and the community sort of understand, you know, this is why these sort of... The rates are so high in these areas, then we can actually start working towards what the solution is to um, sort of have equal uh, equal services mm -hmm. and um, bring those sort of extremely high rates of those 
all those horrible things down. Get it out into the open and talk about it sounds like a, a positive way to do it. Yeah, I mean, and obviously talking about domestic violence specifically, it's one of those things that's not uh, talked about. So if people aren't aware that the problem's there, then we can't do anything about it. Or when we do know the problem is there um, and we don't know how to respond to it, then we don't do anything about it then either. So when people are sort of have the tools to help fix these problems, then we can sort of start getting a start getting the work done about how to address these different issues. Yes. And you did mention before that um, you're, well, the, are you going to Pride this year, Brisbane Pride? Yeah, yes, I will be, definitely. Well, excellent. I love it how the police are now involved with Brisbane Pride. And um, uh, the police also got involved with Wear It Purple Day on August 31st as well. Um, I believe, which is the um, anti-bullying and harassment against the LGBTI people. A few years ago, they um, all the police officers wore purple shoelaces, um, which was great to see. I've been doing a little bit of research on it because I'm really not, you know, we're all learning, we're all growing. Um, but if we see you at Pride, we'll have to get a photo with you. Jasper and I are going. We'll be wearing our kilts. Fantastic. Rainbow kilts. Yeah, no, police are always there at the um, Pride Festival. It's something that we've been doing at least for the last sort of 12 years. That's how long I've been going for. Wow. And um, then we do things like Wear It Purple Day, um, Idaho Day, which is International Day Against Homophobia, Biophobia, uh, Transphobia and Intersexism. Uh, so that's another one that we always get involved in and it's really sort of come along in the last uh, five years, I'd say. We've started marching in the Pride Parade which unfortunately isn't happening this year because of COVID. No. Um, but marching the Pride Parade, we've been raising the um, rainbow pride flag at police headquarters for the last five years for Ida Hobbit Day and Work Purple Day. Um, so I lots of things going that. on in the... That's beautiful. Yeah, it's been um, a really great journey over the sort of last five years. It's um, come leaps and bounds. Yeah, I bet it has. Yeah. But that's um, no. Well, we look forward to seeing you on um, Brisbane Pride. Uh, we'll be. And we there. are going to talk about that a little bit more later on in the show about about what's happening at Pride. Yes, we'll be there, and um, would love to get a photo with you. Sounds great. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our very very first program, Searchlight: The Rainbow Conversations. Uh, thank you so much again, Constable Ben Binyarsen. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. See ya. Thanks. Right. Thank you. Well, that was that very was very informative. Very informative, wasn't it? Oh, that's great. I didn't know that they were involved with so many things, and I've done research on it for the past couple of weeks. Well, I found out there's over 185 of the LGBTI liaison officers throughout Queensland, so they they have a, a growing representation, and they're really helping people in the community mm. get access to services. Yeah. And I'll give you those numbers again that he mentioned. If you do want to get in contact with your LGBTI liaison officer in your area, the best way was to phone Police Link on 131 4. That's 131 4. And we'll be right back. This is Rainbow Conversations and... Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think it's time for a little bit of David Bowie. Go on, do it. I think, yes. But David Bowie coming up next, and then we'll be talking again to Sam and Bridget from Brook Red and Belong to talk about local support and how you can find it. You're on Bay FM. Hey, folks. This is Bridget from Brisbane Bi Plus Network. And lucky you, you are listening to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM. Welcome back to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM 100.3. That was, of course, Mr. David Bowie with Changes. And we're back with Samuel and Bridget from Brook Red and the Belong Support Group here in the Redlands. So tell me, what is Brook Red? So Brook Red is a purely lived experience run and operated mental health community. Uh, we've got four centres across the south side of Brisbane. Um, we do a bunch of different stuff. We work in suicide prevention. We do some NDIS work. But um, I run the Bayside Centre, which is located here in Capalaba. Um, and yeah, as I was saying, we are, I guess what makes us different from all other organizations is that everybody that works at Brook Red from, you know, our board of directors to our support workers, um, everybody comes from a place of lived experience of having walked that path of mental health wobbliness and recovery, and then walk journeying alongside other people as they, you know, move forward in their own recovery towards, you know, an enriched and empowered life. That must make the job so worthwhile. Well, you've got skin in the game. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. It, it, the relationships that we have with people are authentic and genuine, and that does create a space where, you know, real transformation can happen in people's lives because it's about the relationship. Excellent. So what is the Belong program and what was the driving force behind the creation? Well, the Belong program started... Uh, a number of years ago, um, we, in the Bayside Mental Health Network, there was a question asked around what peer-led services are there available for people, you know, in the queer community? And um, the answer that came back after some research was uh, peer-led, uh, sort of out of the question, there were no support services that we could locate that were available for people. And, you know, our... our response to that was let's do something you know whatever that looks like let's do something so originally we applied for a really small grant from the Brisbane Pride Festival and that's through the Cal Collins Memorial Fund um, Cal Collins was a you know beloved figure of the queer community in the Fortitude Valley um, a member of the Wickham Hotel who um, tragically you know passed by suicide and um, the Memorial Fund was set up in his name in 2012 and we applied for some seed funding through that, which allowed us to start a group. Um, that group is a support space where people of diverse bodies, sexualities and genders can come together, find connection with peers and find their tribe and also, you know, access support as they go through, you know, whatever issues they may be. Um, the group does have a focus on suicide prevention and I guess the way that we meet that goal is through providing that support space where people can connect and we know that that's a big driving force in you know mental health recovery is being able to connect with others and build your network and find people like you that you can you know 
yeah, finding people like yourself and finding your tribe, which is such an important part of the queer journey for so many of us, you know, as we come out and as we, you know, start to find ourselves, um, finding other people and building your own families um, is, is an important part of that. And that's, yeah. In a nutshell, um, it's, a, it's a queer support space that we host in Capalaba uh, once a fortnight, and it's been going for a few years now, and yeah. So I had a little trip there the other day and got to see your beautiful veggie gardens, you've got the pool table, you've got a beautiful just yeah. rainbow space that's just so so gorgeous. Um, what can people um, who've never gone to a support group and want to get involved, what can they expect from your group? Yeah, so I guess in some ways uh, we we try and stay away from the the idea of a support group because a lot of people have had experiences of going to a support group. You sit in a circle, you talk about your problems, and that's what it is. Um, we offer something quite different. It, it's a hosted space, and it's very much driven by the participants who attend that space. Um, you know, for instance, last night people wanted to uh, play Pictionary and wanted to cook together, and so that was what we did. Um, it really is dependent on on the needs of the group and how we can best support those you know those needs. Um, we run a community house, um, as you would have seen. It looks probably a lot different than other places um, that you might go. It's we're not a queer only service. We are a mental health community that supports you know all people who experience mental health difficulties, whatever that means for them. Um, the Belong program is one part of that. So supporting the specific needs of the queer community. Um, so I mean, what you can expect is to maybe get a phone call. Like if you want to give me a call, send me an email. If you want to meet with me first, that's totally cool. Or Stephanie. Stephanie plays a big role in the Belong group at the moment, who's another peer worker at Brookred Bayside. Um, and then, you know, come along and you'll find a group of people who are welcome and accepting and, you know, hosting a safe space where conversations around gender and sexuality and, you know, our journeys as queer people and the unique challenges that we face and, you know, also the joys of being mm. queer and celebrating those. Um, it's all part of it, I guess. A place to find your tribe and find your people. Yeah. Excellent. So if people want to get involved, um, how do they get in contact with you to become part of it? So I would go to brookred.org.au and um, through there you can find contact details for the different centres. Um, you can always send me an email on samuelw at brookred.org.au. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, phone number is 3390-1116 and just give us a call and let us know that you're interested in the group. If you want to meet up with us first, that's totally cool. Um, it can be daunting walking into a new group, um, especially with something that we've noticed in the Redlands is is there is a lack of service uh, provision in this particular space and you know that does breed some isolation for people who haven't found that place yet you know you've often got to travel into Fortitude Valley or West End or into the inner city suburbs and for some people that that's that's mm. a daunting task um, so yeah make contact come along um, get involved and you know meet the crew and, and, and hopefully get involved in some cool activities that will support your well-being. And there are other elements to it. We're rolling out some training soon for health professionals. Um, there's one-on-one -on -one support available for people who sort of 
aren't ready for that group environment yet, if they want some one-on-one -on -one support, we can offer that as well. Um, and then, yeah, training is now becoming a big part of that too. So training other health professionals on how to work in a responsive way and, you know, just providing that education around, like the conversation we're having today. Um, mm. But, yeah, providing that for health professionals so that they can work, you know, in a more supportive and, and, and responsive way with the queer community. And I think sometimes when people hear the term support group, mm -hmm. they think of all the movies and TV shows and they think of people sitting in a circle, all very sad, mm -hmm. all very, very serious. Mm -hmm. And what you've just described sounds like a, what's the best way to put it? The opposite of that. Yeah, look, it really is. It, it, it's a very different vibe. And that was one of the things at the very beginning of the group when we had, we had quite a huge turnout for our, for the first group that we put on. Um, there was an article in Q News and quite a number of people managed to turn up for that first group. And what we kept hearing from people was like, the groups that they are going to are, you know, quite restrictive sometimes in the way that they go about things in the way that they're structured in sometimes the rules that they put on people um you know and as, as Bridget mentioned earlier um being trans enough um you know uh we we hold a space where people can be whoever they want to be and come together and find others you know who are on that same journey so yeah it, it's it's support group would be we call it a support space <laughs> support space <laughs> i love that term and it, even if it's something as simple as cooking a meal together absolutely that's something that is just beautiful yeah it's beautiful and i think we might um go to a song how about a little bit of lady gaga how did Fabulous. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we're Mother here. Monster. We're talking about queer stuff. Put it on. Yes. yes. This is Born This Way, the country road version, heavy mm. on the harmonica. <laughs> so uh, you're listening to Searchlight Rainbow Conversations on Bay FM 100.3. Or capital H-I-M. Welcome back to Bay FM 100.3, where you'll find more than just great music because this is Searchlight, the Rainbow Conversations. And we are talking to Samuel and Bridget from Belong and Brook Red this evening. Um, and just informative, so informative. I've learned so much just in the last 15 minutes. So thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's been awesome. So we've been talking about your roles at um, Brook Red and the services you do, but there are so many other people doing wonderful work out in the community. Um, I mean, we've been talking about the QC, the Queensland Council. Yep, Pre previously uh, the Queensland AIDS Council, but yeah, now QC, yep. Um, and they've got a great website with heaps of information. There's Open Doors Youth Service. Yeah, yeah, so Open Doors Youth Service is in the valley. It's uh, for... 12 to 24 I believe 20 sorry but brown there um, and they have lots of different services that they offer um, yeah fantastic and there's the Australian Transgender Support Association of Queensland ATSAQ yeah 
definitely yeah, for same transgender thing. people. Yeah, yeah, for trans and yeah, trans so people. Yeah, safe space they can get information and um, mm-hmm. find out. And then Q Life LGBTI counselling and referral service. Yeah, so that's one I'd really like to like just have a little mention about. So please do. Um, if you're listening and you are queer questioning, um, Q Life is a peer-run volunteer uh, phone line. Uh, it runs from 3 p.m. to midnight every day. Uh, and if you are struggling and having uh, a hard time wanting to talk to someone about that but maybe not ready to identify yourself, maybe not ready to let um, people in about your sexuality in, you know, in in person or not ready to go to a support group quite yet, um, QLife are great people to call because, again, they're all uh, people who identify and um, it's a really great first step if you're struggling to um, or you're, you're struggling with uh, your sexuality or, or having some wobbliness, as mm-hmm. Sam says, with mental health around it as well. And I think they're a really great organisation. And I'll just mention their phone number <laughs> is 1-800-184-527. That's really cool. There's so many people doing doing good work, and if you just go looking, you can you can find and I think mm-hmm. uh, find information. It's it's important to get out yeah. and I, uh, just get, get the peer support. Yeah, and two more I really actually would like to mention uh, is Indigilas uh, and Gabunjalong. They are um, uh, for Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people who also identify in um, the LGBTI plus. Uh, or queer, you know, rainbow spectrum um, and also have great supports uh, in there or access to supports that are culturally appropriate for sister girls and brother boys, uh, which is uh, names that kind of uh, uh, identities that are, bel- are in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities that, um, you know, the closest thing that we would mirror to that here is like a transgender experience. Um, but uh, it, culturally, that may not always be how they identify, but just something to, I think, really important to note as well. That's really interesting. Thanks for that. Right. So I guess the big question we've got now is what challenges do you guys believe need addressing for acceptance and understanding in the LGBTI plus communities in the future going forward? What What do we need to be addressing and looking at and mm. talking about. Sure. And I, I I think something that's really uh, important in my queer advocacy is um, personally, this is just my personal opinion, is um, a lot of times uh, queer advocates have uh, thrown certain members of the community sort of under the bus or left them behind a little bit mm. in the pursuit of getting some level of acceptance um, or laws for queer people. Like marriage equality was a big one where you know, trans people were really left out of that debate. Bisexual people were really invisibilised in that process as well. Um, so even though it achieved the marriage equality, uh, the process really did actually harm the community. Mm. So I think for me personally, what I'd really like to see is moving away from sort of this respectability politics and moving towards like um, sort of radical uh, idea that like uh, people have the right to identify themselves and um, challenges that are in their way it's not the responsibility of that person to remove themselves but as a community we should be breaking down these barriers and moving away from the onus on the oppressed mm-hmm. to um, you know uh, work through that on their own and hopefully we can 
try to deconstruct some of these systems and uh, systems that oppress people and also uh, get some education out there to um, hopefully, like this program, uh, inform people enough that we can um, get some more, uh, not just acceptance, but um, really changing ideas because, you know, I think changing um, how we think about these things. Mm. It would be great, wouldn't it, to be able to move away from the concept of acceptance, which uh, implies yeah. a tolerance for something, exactly. uh, towards celebration. Yeah. I think um, for so long, we, you know, to get acceptance, uh, you would hear things like, if I had any other choice, why, like, if I had a choice, why would I choose to be gay? It's so hard. I want to celebrate queerness. Mm. Queer, being queer is incredible. It gives you such a different you have the opportunity to look in on these systems and realize what they are. And hopefully in that process, you won't just try to, like as a cis person, I have a lot of privilege and I don't want to um, cling to that power to progress myself as a cis person, but hope that what I can do is use that to help others to move up with me, bring people along with us and don't leave the community behind um, who have uh, helped us so much. And I think in your uh, LGBTI history episode, which I hear is coming, um, there's so much to talk about, about not leaving behind the people that you're standing on the shoulders of. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and acknowledging the intersectionality of how complex these ideas are too. Mm. Yeah, we've got some really good programs planned for next year. It's um, we're going to tackle all the all the uh, the different aspects of the LGBTI rainbow communities, and we are going to mm. learn some stuff along the way yeah. ourselves as well, because yeah. this is a an ever changing field. It's, Absolutely, um, it's so important to just to just be educated on on yep. other people, like and mm -hmm. understand and the. We are all human and yep. we all just want to live our lives and be ourselves. Yeah, and I think um, it's really a beautiful opportunity to, um, if you come with our ego and say, this is how I am, how are you, like, who are you, how am I, and, like, strip away some of that clinging to identity as ego and really just being vulnerable and open to each other, that's when some real radical change in mind mindset shifts can happen so mm. fantastic that's incredible i am so thankful that you're both here oh, first no, episode <laughs> super jazzed super pumped about it thank you so much again um and i look forward to speaking with you on other topics in the future yeah cool. let's thank pencil you. that in yes absolutely <laughs> thank you again samuel and bridget from belong we're going to take a break. This is Searchlight, the Rainbow Conversations, right here on Bay FM. This is Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight, Rainbow Conversations with Tony and Jasper. Well, a big thank you to our wonderful guests tonight, Samuel and Bridget from Brook Red, and the uh, police LGBTI liaison officer, senior constable Ben Bjarnason, all giving their time and experience to help us all understand a little bit more. 
And a special shout out to all the amazing people here at Bay FM who have made this program possible. This station is a safe space in the community and is filled with an army of volunteers who just want to do good and play some great songs along the way. We hope you've learned some things about diversity and acceptance and within the LGBTI community this evening. Well, I know I have. and this, I certainly have too. This range of diversity in the Rainbow family and it's, it's so rich and layered and there's a lot more to keep learning. There's shades in every part of the community with... And that includes the heterosexual part of the broader community because not every person of the same label is the same. There is so much complexity and we just need to all be understanding and talk to each other about these things and be accepting of people's choices, whatever they want to do. Absolutely. Now, um, I do want to run through some of the information that we covered tonight just in case you missed some of the numbers, some of the places where you can find the information that we discussed. Of course, uh, Senior Constable Ben mentioned, uh, if it is an emergency, please call Triple O. But if you do want to get in contact with your local LGBTI liaison officer, then you can uh, contact Police Link on 131 444. Also, uh, services that are supported by the... Uh, police are lifeline you can contact them on 13 11 14 you can also contact q life on 1800 184 25 oh sorry i got that number wrong there we go q life on 1800 184 527 and or you can go to their website qlife.org.au and if you want any information on any of the variety of services that Brook Red or Beyond uh, offer, please check out their website, which is brookred.org.au. Now, there's a couple of ser- important dates coming up that we want to let everyone know about. You might not be aware. I uh, Yeah, they're coming up before our next show, aren't they? In between our next, uh, next program, there's going to be a few, few things happening. On the 8th of November, it is intersex day of solidarity also known as intersex day of remembrance and um i believe the intersex part of the lgbti are quite misunderstood and there's a lot of um learning to be done there so i've um enjoyed enjoyed having some chats with that so that's uh look out for the 8th of november there's transgender awareness week it's the second week in november each year between november 13th and 19th and That's to help raise awareness for the visibility of transgender people. And also on the 20th of November, there's Trans Day of Remembrance, which is set aside in memory of those who were killed due to anti-transgender hatred and prejudice. So it's a really important topic to go and uh, check out. Give these these people a voice. That's the 20th of November for that one. Also coming up right here in Brisbane on the 28th of November, we have the Brisbane Pride Fair Day. Yay! That's at New Farm Park. You might have heard of us talking about it before with uh, the LGBTI liaison officer. Mm. The, the police will be there and so will we. Now, it's Australia's third largest LGBTI plus pride event and it's celebrating its 13th year this year. And they've really soldiered on to move ahead with that this year, being COVID restrictions and gathering limitations. They are mm. pushing through and this is going to go ahead despite anything. 
And tickets are on sale now at brisbanepride.org.au. It's $10 for pre-sale, $20 at the gate. And many of the support services we've spoken about tonight will be represented there, so you can go and talk to people, find out more information, get informed. And this is an all-ages event, and it's totally family-friendly. And I believe also pets are included in families you, as well. Um, you can you bring, can bring, your, bring your pets your, along. bring your dogs along, and I think, um, yeah, it's it's... Definitely, uh, mm. definitely welcome. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. And um, as we mentioned, Jasper and I will be at the Pride Picnic. So if you see us, come say hi. We'll be in our Bay FM shirts and uh, very bright rainbow Pride kilts. So we hope to see you all there. It will be a sea of rainbow, so we really won't stand Yeah, out. that doesn't really narrow it down. I have blue hair, if that helps narrow it down. You have blue hair today. Who knows what will you have tomorrow? That's a good point. Right, also coming up on our Christmas episode on Monday the 30th of October, um, we're going to call that Need a Little Christmas because that actually has a song tie-in that we're really excited to share with you Mm -hmm. later on by an absolute fantastic singer who is based out of the Redlands, actually. Yes. And we're going to discuss tension around Christmas time and how COVID is adding extra stress to the rainbow diverse communities this year. Uh, For many, it will be a virtual Christmas. And we're going to discuss why Christmas is the time of year where suicide rates skyrocket and why the LGBTI plus communities are statistically more vulnerable. We're going to talk to Yvonne from Diverse Voices, who does some amazing work through a, a company that has a phone line that we can ring in and talk to people, talk to um, about any, any problems you might have. Also, we're going to talk to um, Jane Hopkins from PFLAG and... PFLAG, if you don't know, they're an international organisation. Yes, they are. Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. The Brisbane-based branch we'll be talking to um, uh, Jane from. And Mm -hmm. so they're a non-profit peer support group for parents and friends of the LGBTIQ plus loved ones. They offer anonymous phone support, referrals for extra assistance, and volunteers can meet with parents in crisis. They have regular meeting groups with guest speakers. They have written resources to increase understanding and a monthly newsletter, along with assisting families. PFLAG values the importance of the education and advocation for the rainbow community through various events and functions. So if you really have queries, they're a fantastic resource to go to. Yes. Yes, they are. They're based in Fortitude Valley, I believe, as well. But you can access them through the phone and internet mm. all over, yeah. everywhere. So that's what we got coming up. So it's all pretty exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. And speaking of also exciting, we have had some feedback on our wonderful SMS line. If you want to be a part of the Rainbow Conversation uh, for future episodes. Or if you just want to get in touch with Bay FM at all. Yes, yeah. Uh, you can SMN any thoughts um, to 046 886 1003. That's 046 886 1003 and just a few comments that we've had on the sms this evening uh we had ness and lane um from uh lane runs the litter legends that wonderful um non-for-profit group that just goes around the redlands cleaning they just clean the streets picking up rubbish it's it's, it's they're it wonderful. Doesn't end up in the waterways that way. Yeah, so, so good job. Um, I've got to. I've got to say, um, if you do want to follow the Little Legends, their Facebook and Instagram pages are excellent. And they said Jasper sounds very dapper on the radio. Oh, that's thank so you. lovely. And I think we have a quote, um, a quote for the poster <laughs> of Rainbow Conversations from uh, Malika. 
in Kedron, we had this lovely comment. What an audio kaleidoscope of awesomeness, a polychromatic sensory and educational feast. I think she was just trying to trip you up with those words. Well, she didn't succeed. Only because you you practiced 12 times. I did. I did. And we also uh, had a message from another lovely listener, Jackie. Um, She messaged in at a quarter past seven, 15 minutes into the program, and she said she's in tears of joy already. So I think... The way you read the weather does do that, though. Oh, yes. Yes, it's it's very satisfying, isn't it? Mm, Weather. Mm. Well, until then, until our next episode, which is on the 30th of November. Correct. 7 um, p.m. here on Bay FM. Right here on Bay FM 100.3. Thank you all so very much for listening in to tonight's program. And we're going to finish with an anthem to celebrate our freedoms by George Michael. But first, I want to leave you with a little quote from the very witty Stephen Fry. At least 260 species of animal have been noted exhibiting homosexual behaviour, but only one species of animal ever, so far as we know, has exhibited homophobic behaviour, and that's the human being. So we ask, which is really natural? Great question to end on. This is Bay FM 100.3. The Rainbow Conversation continues on November 30th, right here on Bay FM 100.3. This is Tony. This has been Jasper. For Searchlight Rainbow Conversations. Cool.